On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we're breaking down week number seven in the NFL season. It is beyond crazy how fast the NFL season goes by, but we are in a glorious position. The New York football giants are sitting at five and one, and oh, the disrespect, they are an underdog to the Jacksonville Jaguars? What the hell is that? We got some action on that game. You're going to want to stay tuned to see who picked who. There might be some crossfires there. Plus, a little administrative details. We recorded this on Wednesday, so all the action that we talked about on the Thursday night game, it was happening in the past. The game hadn't happened yet, so we apologize. Plus, I had to jump off a little bit early and tend to a crying baby. You know how it goes. Stay tuned for episode 129 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right. Welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your host for the evening. Joining us tonight, our NFL insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? Doing well. Um, My football team is not, but I'm, you know, it's been a great season so far of NFL. Um, You know, I know the scoring is down, but. The good games have lived up to the hype. I thought uh, last week we had two uh, potential conference previews, and thought both games are pretty good. I'm going to ask you to pull some strings, because I know you're in the media here. Can you put in a request to not have the Broncos be on primetime anymore? I mean, I'm fucking sick of this. What is going on? You know, we have another isolated game, believe it or not, in two weeks against the Jaguars in London. Ah, Jaguars, Broncos on primetime? Well, it's opposite of prime time, but yes, yeah, it's an T- isolated, isolated TV spot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> T with and the Brits. It's going to be on at nine thirty in the morning. So if you don't want to get up, just get drunk the night before. That's true. I'll, I guess that's I'll a good say call. I'll say this much: um, odds were not available at the casino of my life that doesn't exist. But if you were to tell me that my new son Luke would have been automatically looking towards being a Giants fan after sh- six short weeks into his NFL life and I'm already giving up the idea of him being a Bronco fan this apathetic six weeks into his football watching life there were no odds it was a not available proposition I would have told you f off if you had told me that six yeah. weeks into the season I can care less if he's I can care less if he's a Broncos fan Okay. I had similar thoughts last year with my daughter. I was like, look, I think Ellie should just pick her own team. I'm not going to force the Giants on her. Oh, I'm not going to force them, but yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to force them. I'm going to go the opposite way. That's how, how bad this year has gone so far. Well, I'll get to my team in a minute. But of course, you heard the voice of our Patriots expert living in Philly, Bill Hughes. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's good to be with you guys tonight. Uh, another crazy week in the NFL, but... Um, we are heading into what is going to potentially be a very dark, dark Sunday as these matchups stink. And I think we're going to get into it, but like some of these games are just, uh, there's just not a lot of good ones. So I'm, I'm excited to talk the gambling side of it because I don't know uh, where some of these matchups are going to take us as we look across the board that just stinks. 
this is where I feel bad for people who don't gamble or who are not in a league like ours because this might be the worst slate of NFL games I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Is there a single good matchup this week? Because I honestly, yeah. I don't think there is. The bye week really hurts. You get for the league's, what, best eight teams are all on bye. I mean, to your point about this NFL scheduling makers of the Broncos, it's like, I don't think it took a scientist to realize that the Eagles, Vikings, Bills are going to be good teams. I mean, yeah, I or at least uh, watchable teams, I should say. And you put them all on a buy in the same week. That's just, that's a sin. You cannot do that to us. I mean, I think Vegas is trying to convince us that one of these games is going to be good. Uh, and I, I'm going to get into it as one of my picks because I just do not understand the line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we get there, let's just recap. We were on a bye week last week, so we didn't do much of week five, but you know, let's go to week six. And I, I mean, again, I hate to do this to you, Coulter. I've been bashing them on our, our, our text chains. I just do not understand what is happening with your Denver Broncos. I mean, you, you cannot just fall off being an elite quarterback the way that Russell Wilson has fallen off. So maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself. Maybe it's just a perfect storm of bad head coach, Russ trying to be who someone who's not trying to do too much. And it just results in this powder keg, but man, it was just ugly. I know you're struggling. So just give me some quick thoughts on your team real quick. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe that it could get worse than what it's been in the post Super Bowl years with, uh, the quarterback train of, you know, Case Keenum to Paxton Lynch to Drew Locke. Um, but this is actually worse. Um, and to your point, it's, it's a, it's a combination of things. I don't want to hang it all on Russ or hang it all on Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I think there is offensive line issues, obviously with injuries to the left tackle. And I think most important uh, and that no national media member wants to say is, Jerry Judy's an underachiever. Uh, you know, all the preseason hype about how great our skill guys are is he's kind of quit already. And I get it. Uh, Russ has not been great. Hackett is a joke. But like some of this has to be home with the rest of the players on the team, too. Um, I think it's pretty clear to me after watching Judy now for three years, he will not get a second year, a second contract with this team. I don't know. Patrick got hurt in the preseason. It's just a, it's a tire fire. The whole offense is a mess. Uh, there's just no cohesion. You'll see it on the sideline. There's nobody's talking to one another. Um, it's just a complete uh, shit show. And they're all standing away from each other. The body language is awful. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to make this analogy because of the fact that the New York Yankees are currently uh, in the ALCS. And I'm very jealous as a Boston Red Sox fan. I feel like the Broncos like have the Chuck Knobloch syndrome. I feel like they're all, they all have the yips. It's like the mental yips, the physical yet like no one is in sync no one is playing the game like i feel like they should it's like one of those things where it's like how do you just get them all to like relax does like someone get in a fight Does like someone walk in the locker room just fucking punch somebody in the face and just say you know what like we are playing like a bunch of uptight assholes and we need to figure out like there are guys in this locker room that should be way better to your point jerry judy uh i don't know what happened to gordon we were talking about that like like some of this stuff like they need to figure this out, but it's like, I really feel like everybody's kind of like in their own head and they just cannot get out of their own way right now. And I do feel bad for Bronco fans as there was like, obviously a lot of momentum with the new ownership group. And I think that that obviously will still work itself out to where you'll have more consistency. But I mean, it's just like, I can't figure out how yeah, I was gonna say, going to say direction at the same time. I would love to see how this situation would have played out. Um, because in, in, in theory, I mean, 
let's just remove the, you know, all the context of the personalities or whatever, but let's just take it back 10 years. Pat Bullen is still alive. He's actually still in good health. What would a veteran owner do in this situation with Nathaniel Hackett? Like, I just, I feel like to Hughes's point about the fight thing and, and, and everyone's staying around right knowing what to do. The ownership is also like that. They're probably watching this tire fire just being like, what do we do? And the answer is fucking clear. Get rid of Nathaniel goddamn Hackett. He will not win in this organization. Get rid of him as soon as possible. And that's the move. That will jostle everything, I feel like, right? He ha- Somebody has to be the scapegoat to Hughes's point, right? And it clearly won't be our $245 quarterback. He might even be hurt and going on the IR. So it's just like something has to change. And like it really comes down to the coaching. He clearly doesn't know what he's doing as a head coach. Uh, and we're, forget about what he's accomplished as a coordinator because it does not matter. He cannot lead the team as a head man. That's the, the job is to be the head coach, not the offensive fucking coordinator. He's not doing a good job of calling the offense either, but like he is especially not good at being head coach. I thought there was going to be some blood after that game because they had like 75 yards of offense in the entire second half. How can you not fire the head coach? This is one of the most proud organizations in the NFL on Thursday night football. Two weeks ago, the fans were literally leaving as the game was going into halftime. What a fucking joke. Miserable. You know what? Miserable. I'll piggyback off your idea there, Hughes, about a fight. And this would be so telling to see what would happen. Imagine in the game where like Russ takes off and scrambles, right? He's going off on the sideline and he gets a cheap shot hit out of bounds. When that happens to any other franchise, you see everybody come to the quarterback's defense, right? It gets the team fired up. They come fucking run up. They start this big old fight, right? What happens if that is Russ this week, right? Does does the team come to his defense, A, which would be a fucking major telling sign, but who knows? Maybe they do and maybe that lights the fire. Maybe that gets them fucking going. Yeah, I, I actually, I, no, I, I think it would be very interesting. I don't think there's a lot of guys on that team that would take a flag and a fine for Russell, Russell Wilson right now. So I do think part of it is there are guys that are going to be making business decisions based on what they are feeling about the direction of the organization and whatever the hell is going on behind closed doors. That being said, I do completely agree with Coulter that they should fire the coach. I don't understand what you gain from keeping him around Um, because worst case scenario, he's just kind of a ticking time bomb that you know is going to blow up at some point in time down the line. He just doesn't seem to have the temperament for it. There are guys that this is the case for. It's not a bad thing. I think the same thing's happening in Tampa. They need a coach that can grab somebody by the face and do what Bruce Arians would do. They don't have that. I think we're seeing a similar, but I mean, very different situation in Denver and they just got to make a move. But I do think the one interesting thing that could happen is actually a little of the opposite of what scenario you laid out Kaz. I think Russell Wilson needs to go after somebody else. I think he needs to yell at somebody on the sideline and throw his fucking helmet and start chucking tablets into the stands and acting like he actually gives a fuck about what's going on and not just like, Oh, I need to play this calm meek shell and hair at the earth type fucking role with this team. He needs to, and he, and he, if that's not his personality, fine. He needs to figure out where to find it. Like some guys, in order to lead men, need to be things that they're not. And he needs to do that. In my opinion, if he does it, maybe they turn it around. Maybe it shows some guts. And, or maybe it's fighting somebody on the other team. Maybe he goes out and fucking spears somebody the next time he throws a pick. I don't know. They got to get something going. Break, break the audio of Hughes saying to be a better man, you do things that make you uncomfortable. Because that's literally the situation in a nutshell. He wants to be this God is great, everything is good type, you know, 
fucking yogi. That's not going to fly when your team's two and four, period. Right. And the craziest part about all of this is I feel like every single game, they've been in a position one. Yeah. I know, it's so yeah. fucking annoying. It's I mean, cool. as a yeah. fan, that's the most, most annoying part is, like, to Hughes's point, uh, you know, there's not a lot of great games this week. The league is kind of sitting there for anybody to really take. Uh, our defense, as everyone can see in these primetime spots, can hold the game uh, close enough for anybody with a confident fucking arm to win these goddamn games. I mean, I'm not saying the defense is the 85 bears here, but like they can keep the game within reach to win the game late. And that's the name of the game in 2022. Yep. All these games Agreed. are tight. All these games can be won late. We need a guy who can fucking be Mariano Rivera. And, and uh, Russ is just the opposite of a close right now. He's like, he uses point. It's just like so tight. Everything is so tight. All the and it's not again. It's not just on the quarterback though. I mean, the, we talked about this in our text thread. It's just like the alignment of the offense. It's like okay, third and two. What are we going to do? Uh, let's do under center run. Or oh, you know what? Actually, let's press Russ and go do him uh, shotgun. It's like everything they do is wrong. Whether it's under center or shotgun, no matter what the down and distance is, everything the layout of every play call is incorrect. I feel like everything. If it's second and three and we're under center. I think we should be in the gun. If it's third and, and eight, I think we should be in the gun and we're under center. It's like everything we do is fucking incorrect. It's Which so is bad. shocking too, because if, you, if you're a bad coach, right, but you're an offensive coordinator, the one thing you should have is some continuity in the play calling. That's like the I'll one think, thing you should have. But that being said, we've got another, uh, I think we're precursor to potentially getting fired this Thursday with another head coach trying to give up his play calling capabilities and Cliff Kingsbury. We'll get there. But yeah. one other thing too, I feel like, like they just, yeah, like they need to do things that make them better. And I don't think they just know what those things are either with the Broncos. And until they figure it out, like I, I do love the defense. So man, I, I want to say that about uh, the corner, Sertan, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Dude, guys, yeah, unbelievable. I, uh, Vegas is finally catching up, but I've become a, a fairly rich man in my gambling perspective. Here. Under on guys. the PS2 shutdowns. Yeah. yeah. I've just been betting Denver unders and it's been hitting. This week, though, Vegas finally caught up a smidge. It's at 38, I think, right now for their uh, their matchup against the Jets. But, all right, I'll, I'll stop tormenting you, Coulter. I know it's been a rough uh, six weeks for you so far, but I'm going to save the best for last here, and I'm going to go to Hughes. And I'm going to your team here, the Patriots. Oh, baby. Oh, baby is right. Uh, I'll be honest. Hand up. I left you guys dead in the water. I thought your season was completely over. And here comes Bailey motherfucking Zappy. Two <laughs> wins in a row. Two 30-point efforts, I think, right? Yeah. Looking yeah, fucking they're... good, my friend. How you feeling? Um, let's see. I, I think I feel like I, I tried to explain it last week. I think we're good enough, and we have a good enough coach to beat anybody if we don't do the dumb shit that we did in the games we lost this year, which is turn the ball over, tons of penalties. We still have too many penalties. But uh, penalties, all all that stuff that you know. You're watching the Broncos use. I know, no, it's the cliche. <laughs> like, we are the we are the cliche NFL because I think we have the coach to do it, and I think that I I'll give Matt Patricia a lot of credit. I know we bagged on Matt Patricia. He's been able to integrate a guy who I think was not prepared when he got in the game in uh, Green Bay. But how could you be? You're in fucking Lambeau Field. You're all of a sudden in the game, and you've got a chance to win in overtime. And I think you, that moment was a little big for where he was at at that at that stage. But I think everything I've seen from him since 
He shows a lot of composure. They've been doing a lot to protect him. They're running a lot of two receiver routes. Um, they're keeping max protection. They are trying to make sure that they give him an opportunity to either find an open receiver or he does have a little bit of scramble ability. Um, you know, he's no Dan Jones. I know we'll get to Dan. Um, and he's no Josh fucking Allen. Um, but at the same time, he has shown that he's got some athleticism. So I think they're doing what they need to do. And then also you've seen the emergence, the further emergence of Ramondre Stevenson, who I think is, could arguably be one of the best running backs that the Pats have ever had as a feature type back. Um, because I think he can do everything. He's like kind of like Corey Dillon maybe was back in the day. He's not that big, uh, but he can bang and he gets a lot of yards after contact, but he also can break away and he can take it to the house. So I think they've got a real opportunity if the offensive line can kind of come together to keep this rolling. And they also have had a favorable schedule. Like let's not fucking act like they're beating the chiefs and the fucking bills. Um, And they've got another one this week. That's why I think we see Zappy again on Monday night against the bears uh, because it just makes sense. The Bears fucking stink, and it gives them a chance to buy Mac another week before he comes back. Um, so I think it, I think it's been rolling in the right direction. And I also think you've seen the genius of Bill Belichick and what he's able to do when he focuses on a certain thing, which I think he's focusing a lot on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to game plan. And I think their game plans have been pretty solid to beat the teams that they play. I mean, they put up to your point a lot of points. These aren't that they're winning seventeen to ten; they're putting up touchdowns the defense is scoring they're doing the special teams is clicking uh, other than the kicker kind of s- folks being not great but yeah i'm i'm positive i don't think they're one of the best teams uh but at the same time you, if they catch the bills on a bad bills game they could beat the bills i don't think you're crazy and three weeks ago i would have said you're crazy but i, I mean this is just showing that belichick is fucking the guy that he is i mean he just is He's a fucking great coach and I mean, maybe it was Vegas not giving the respect, but I'm looking back here week five uh, when I think that was the first week that Bailey started playing, right? Week five, maybe. They were a three and a half point favorite against Detroit. That was not a big enough number. They went 29 to fucking nothing. And then last week- It was the guy's first career start though. Yeah, which is weird, but it still is Belichick. What did you want Vegas to do? Make it a six point spread? The three and a half point road dog made sense, but at the same time, they came out and dominated that game yeah, they're three and a half point road dogs this week. Listen, New England was my key pick last week. I keep picking. Yeah. I'm just saying that first game is spread. I mean, how hard, how high did you want Billy Zappi's first first start to be? I mean, it's fair. I mean, that you're making a great point, Coulter. But I, you know, we, this is a theme on our show. Is we always do the, the the coaching comparisons and the matchups here, and I think that's nah, a big factor. It was a coach. It was a coaching mismatch. For yeah, sure. I mean, that was probably the league's biggest coach, coaching mismatch in five years. Honestly, yeah. I feel like back yeah. So I thought he schooled Stefanski too, by for whatever that's worth. I know we've we've talked about Stefanski. I and I don't know if the Browns just had a bad day, uh, but that was an utter disappointment. If I were the Cleveland Browns, like oh, yeah. total no show. Chubb could they couldn't get Chubb going at all, um, and they had nothing on defense, absolutely nothing against a kid who again they got two receivers in the route. I thought they had all these great corners. Those guys hurt. Uh, I mean, I guess Ward, I was no, Ward, yeah. Ward's been uh, the Russell out. Wilson of defensive yeah. players. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, disappointing. But well, now you we'll got see. It. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought Ward was healthy, by the way. Who? Denzel Ward. Isn't he healthy? He might. Be. I thought he was hurt. He could I, be. Out. I feel like he's the Russell Wilson of defensive players this year. He's like extremely underachieving. That's fair. Uh, all right, Hughes, you said it. I've been waiting. I was patient. We've been recording for about 17 minutes here. <laughs> the Giants are five and one, boys. And I don't care. What everybody is saying, 
this is the worst five and one football team I've ever seen in my life. I don't give a shit. That's not true. We're fucking five and one. And you're right. It's not true. We've got fucking talent on the roster. And it took mm-hmm. a coach like Brian Dable and Wink Martindale to bring the best out of their fucking team. I want to say before I start raving about this team, because I have, I all temper my expectations. I mean, look at, we still have Daniel Jones in our center. We still have some limitations. The line is what it is, what it is. I cannot give enough credit to Brian Dable for what he's doing on the offensive side. Wink's doing great things, but I think everyone expected Wink to do that. Wink's an established defensive coordinator. He's just running the defense. Dable's taking over the entire team. You got to change the culture and then you got to change your offense. Dable's offense. And even Mike Kafka's offense he was in Kansas city is a pass heavy, it's four receivers. It's spreading the field. It's taking shots down the field. But he realized that the Giants, A, don't have the skill position players right now to do that. And that's probably not the best thing for Daniel Jones. And he completely changes his offense around it to build around what Daniel Jones can do. He can run. He can move. He can make some good throws, short to mid-distance throws, and then rely on your best fucking player, which is Saquon. And I got to say, the defense came up fucking huge for us. I can't tell you last time I saw a Giants game where you needed to make a fucking play and the D-line got to the quarterback, they made a fucking play and ended the game. It's been probably since those Super Bowl runs with Eli where they really had a fucking team like this that could just execute, play smart football, don't turn the ball over. And I don't know how that's happening because Daniel Jones was a goddamn turnover machine for four years. (laughs) I just don't know what the hell happened. It's amazing. Uh I got to Yeah. I got to take on this. And that's that. I think the days of hiring a head football coach that has a system should be gone and dead forever. What Brian Dable does, in my opinion, is very similar to what Belichick does. He worked for Belichick. What Saban does, you have to coach and you brought this up. You have to coach to your strengths and to your talent and to the weaknesses of the team that you're playing against. It's not a, I'm going to come in and do my fucking Cliff Kingsbury thing and we're a fucking air raid. It, no, you can't do that in the NFL anymore, in my opinion. If you truly want to be successful, you have to have a coaching staff that understands how to go week to week and take the best thing that you've got and put it up against the fucking worst thing that they've got. And that, to me, that's what Dayball is doing. It's doing a masterful job. The offense is, it's fun, it's innovative, they're doing cool shit. The defense is stepping up. I think they're a little undermanned on both sides of the ball, which has been even more impressive. Um, and they're taking advantage of the opportunities. Uh, I think it's been a lot of fun to watch. I obviously have a lot of giant fans in my life. Um, so that's not, you know, not a problem. They are a bit fucking annoying right now. But at the same time, they deserve it. I mean, this is a day. I will say your biggest fear should be Mara and his cocky ass running around saying we're on the jacket. Hey, by the way, maybe win more than fucking six games before you start acting like you're the fucking king of the world again. Okay, Mara? That's all I'm going to say about that. But I do think the Giants are back, and it's fun to watch. And if Dan Jones can keep playing like he is, that team can beat anybody. He's good enough. And he does – you're right. He's not making those dumb things, and he's also not getting strip-sacked every fourth fucking play. Which is amazing. I don't know what changed with the fumbles. I mean, I know the line is a little bit better this year, but, like – the guy was averaging Coaching. two fumbles a game. Coaching, in yeah. my opinion. Immaturity, probably. Yeah. Bit, but I think it's I was going to say, isn't it a coaching and confidence thing? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not to bring it home back to the Broncos, but I mean, the NFL, and not to oversimplify, but Hughes is so right about the way that coaching staff is made up, by the way, in 2022. But like, the way that the modern game is made up, the league wants every single game in the witching hour in the fourth quarter to be up for grabs, to be a complete fucking grab bag. And 
you know what what benefits you in that situation is knowing who you are and the Giants know who they are. They are run first team, play defense, keep the ball, uh, keep it away from your opponent, don't turn it over. And you look at someone like Denver, it's like, what's our identity? Do we want to run it with Latavius Murray 13 times in the second half? Or do we want to spread it out with Russ and do a little shotgun offense? None of it fucking works. None of it makes any sense. And there's no cohesion. And when uh, the backs are against the wall, there's nothing that's consistent. And now if you watch the Giants, as I'm sure you have, Kaz, especially over the last two games, backs against the wall, they know exactly what they're fucking doing against Green Bay and Baltimore. There's no hesitation. And, and I, that's a byproduct of coaching. I mean, that's in the confidence factor. The players know it. They can feel it. Uh, and that produces results on the field and in the yeah. fourth quarter. And I love, I've been watching a little bit of uh, the inside of the NFL. I, I really like that show because they always give you the, like the, the sideline, you know, mic'd up guys, like mm-hmm. after the fact, the way Dable handles himself on the sideline, he's treating these guys like fucking men, which is how you have to be in it as an NFL coach. He's talking to every player. He's cheering them on. He's telling them what they're supposed to be doing. It's not any of this like, you know, stoic stuff where you see in some coaches that just stand there and just fucking call some plays. It's none of the talking down like college coaches who failed in the NFL. They don't know how to manage men. Dable's just in there fucking treating these guys like men, putting them in positions to succeed and fucking hyping them up. And I love it. Wait, did you bench the running back yet and then uh, talk to him three days later and then made him the starter after benching him because the guy made a case for himself? Has that happened with you yet? Thank Does God. That that no, that, no, that hold on. Denver, the <laughs> I think, though, it also brings up one of the more important things that we've talked about about Russ, too, to a certain extent, is like, Gable just seems like he's an authentic guy. Yes. Like, he, he seems like he's guy. relatable. It seems like he's the way he probably is as a coach is probably how he is as a person. And I just think like, that's what you, ha- if guys get, they trust that they, they welcome that this whole, to your point Kaz, exactly of like, you know, this authoritarian bullshit, like Belichick's not even like that, right? Like they've had music at practice from fucking longer than any team I can ever remember. And like, there are certain things that you just do to adapt to what you are, but he's still who he is, right? Like he's still this kind of stoic guy, but like, you have to be authentic. You have to be who you are. And I think Joe judge was not that right. Like if we saw anything, who else? Josh McDaniels, when he went to Denver was not that they all, both guys, like all these guys leave and they try and be somebody that they're not. You have to be who you are. And I think that's what Dable has hit on. And that's where I think in, like of the best coaches always are their authentic self. And I think it's been cool to watch. Cause I do think he has some really cool experience, obviously from the Bama Pats, uh, bills, like he's bounced around, but he's, He's putting it all together, man. And I, I'm not going to try and say you guys are the favorite because you're in the division from hell right now, but it's going to be fun to watch the NFC East as this thing fucking gets down to the wire. Yeah. And you nailed it. I mean, we got, I think two games left with the Eagles, one with the Cowboys still. I don't count the commander of Washington team. They, they're a joke. I don't know. They're Hey, they made the decision. Well, actually they didn't make the decision. God made the decision <laughs> for him. Sorry, Carson Wentz. Yeah. God broke your hand so that the commander fans can get a real fucking quarterback. That's true. I'm actually more nervous with Taylor Heineke than I am Carson Wentz. Like Heineke, yeah, Heineke, 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 Heineke could str- he, he could cost you a game, yeah. pass, and you'll be you'll yeah. Be he, he very well January. could. We'll, we'll, fucking, we'll bookmark this audio right now when we yeah. lose the fucking commanders in week like 15 or whatever the fuck. We're fucking be. actually, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with yeah. You, so it's tough. It's, you know, I'm not expecting us to win the division. I'm really not. Cause the Eagles are a fucking juggernaut, but we're in a really good position to make the playoffs. And I think that's a realistic goal for this team. Now, but now you start off five and one. 
And Fred mentioned you don't have like pretty much any weapons. You're no receivers, receivers zero like receivers. Receiver. If you can get, I mean, the Galladay signing is awful. The the Tony pick, awful. I don't care what people say, awful. it's a terrible pick. I'm a Tony awful. guy too. I'm so, hey, buddy, you're right. No, it's no, terrible. he's talented, but it's a terrible pick. I mean, listen, if you're willing to admit that Judy's a terrible pick for Denver, Tony is a fucking catastrophe. I, I said it in the moment. I can't even get on the field. I said it in the moment it was a terrible pick, right? You do the right thing by trading down and, and accumulating draft assets, right? right. But then you take. A, a gadget injury prone wide receiver in that pick. That is a pick. That is a luxury pick you make if you're close to winning a Super Bowl. You don't make a person, that pick a personality a problem too. I mean, yeah. the guy so, had problems in Florida. He's that was, but that was your boy, right? That was Gettleman, right? Oh yeah, of course it was. He's yeah, the man. Yeah. We're not saying his name anymore. <laughs> don't say his name. Oh, sorry, Voldemort. We're Voldemort to him. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I talked about this with my dad actually last week. I, this is a, a fairly interesting point, right? So the Giants trade back in the draft last year from you know ten to to 20 to get uh, the extra pick and, and Kadarius Tony. Well, if they had just stayed put, right. They could have picked that 11 Micah Parsons, which would have been insane. Right. And then they still in theory have a shitty year. They're still picking high in the draft. They still probably could land Evan Neal. So now you've got Micah Parsons and Evan Neal instead of Thibodeau and Evan Neal and Tony, where, where is the, the better play there? It's tough to say, but I feel like they just wasted that pick on Tony where they could have used a potential building block. Alas, yeah. alas, let's turn the page to the future. Let's look at this shitty slate of games. It's right. ugly, boys. It's fucking ugly. It's ugly. But we've got to pick them. It's our job. So yeah. let's get your first yeah. pick of the week, my friend. I teased it. I teased it. I teased it. Commanders. <laughs> plus five. The Commanders. Plus five and a half against Aaron Rodgers and the imploding Packers. One o'clock game in Washington. Green Bay's been traveling all over the fucking world. This is not a game they want to play. I'm not saying Green Bay loses, but I'll take the five and a half points, and I will take the change to Tyler Heineke because I do think they are instantly better. They instantly have a better quarterback, and they weren't that far off in some of their games. Um, but at the same time, I think they've got a better chance and I think the Packers fucking stick. So that's my first pick commanders and plus their owners getting dragged through the mud. So it's like one of those major league situations where it's like, ha ha ha, that guy's going to get kicked out. Let's probably, let's be good. Why not? Let's win a game. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I like it. Coulter, what do you think? Yeah, full agreement here. I think this is three points too high to, to use this point. I, I think Green Bay will find a way to win this game, but my God, they should not be favored over five and a half points over any NFL team on the road at this point. Uh, they failed to get separation on offense. Defensively, they cannot stop the run to save their fucking lives. Um, I love Brian Robinson to go over 100 yards in this game as a prop bet. I could see him being like the story of those early, uh, early one o'clock games. Uh, you know what? The more we talk about it, I mean, if they can keep the ball like the Jets just did, I mean, they could win this game outright. So, yeah, I mean, I full agreement for me. Uh, I don't really see a way where Green Bay just blows this team out of the water unless Rodgers hops in a time machine and finds a way to play like he did a, you know, a year or two ago. But he has not been that guy yet so far. Yeah, I'm in full agreement here. Um, I think this is more of a statement against Green Bay. I mean, they look so fucking lost, you know. You could say it's kind of fluky against the Giants. Maybe they're playing in London. They're not looking good, but whatever. Then they do it again against the Jets. Quality defense, but that offense still looks like shit. Uh, the one thing that the Commanders do have is a very good front four and pass rush. So I think they can cause some chaos here. 
Uh, I'm with you. Five and a half points is just too many. Uh, I don't know if they went out right. I don't know. They might, but uh, I'm taking the points. It's just way too many for me to, to not take. So I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign, but we're in full agreement there. All right, Coulter, let's get your first pick of the week. We just went over them uh, earlier in the show. I'm going to go with the Patriots on Monday Night Football, seven and a half. It's probably 1.2 high, but that's what happens when you blow out the Browns on the road. Uh, the Bears are just a terrible offense, and that's not going to change in this game. Uh, New England, as a team, has to be preparing for this game and thinking if they can get to 15 points, it's an automatic W. Um, that means they can actually play a little bit looser on offense, I feel like. That's going to make things a lot easier for Billy Zappi. Uh, third start for him at home. Um, I think they're going to go to Stevenson a lot. Uh, we, we talked about him earlier. I love the idea that uh, you can isolate your best offensive player now that he has kind of got the whole you know, command of the offense. I think that's actually a beneficial thing is that you don't have to split carries. You don't have to alternate running backs or have a split identity. Stevenson is the identity of the offense. So I think that's been one of the big things lately. Um, point differential for the Patriots is there. So, I mean, you look at these shitty slate of games that we've talked about, uh, and we just went over how tight everything is in the fourth quarter in 2022 NFL. The Patriots are defying that, actually, which makes me like that a lot. Um, and then most importantly here, Fields is a runner. Uh, I just don't think Belichick is going to let this guy run. He's going to force him to pass. And I think um, besides maybe rooting for Russell Wilson, the only thing worse in the NFL in, the, in 2022 is cheering for Justin Fields to pass the ball to help you win a football game. That just sounds so ugly to me. That's like a terrifying, that's like a horror movie. Like if you're a Bears fan and I, and I'm telling you, Fields has to throw 40 times in this game. He hasn't thrown it 25 times. And you, I just don't see uh, Belichick game playing this anywhere where anywhere else but forcing the Bears into throwing it. And that's trouble for the Bears. So I'll take the Patriots. I couldn't agree anymore. I almost made this my key pick. This is my first pick of the week as well, Coulter. I'm with you. Again, we're getting fucking the Bears on primetime two weeks in a row. What the fuck is the NFL doing? Like, you got to be able to flex these games. I know it's a fucking night game. It's already got tickets out there, but Jesus Christ, it's terrible. I mean, I, um, the only thing I could think of is in the preseason, they were thinking uh, Mac Jones versus Justin Fields, new era of quarterbacks, first-round guys from last year. Um, but, man, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, this this matchup sucks. I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think that's exactly what it was, the theory that maybe Justin Fields – wasn't a jellyfish without any skill whatsoever who went to two fake schools. Well, actually, I can't call Georgia a fake school. They won the national championship. But he actually couldn't play there, and they fucking ran him out of town. So we went to another rinky-dink institution uh, in Columbus, that, that is, That's a great point because, what, he couldn't even beat out Jake Fromm, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and then Jake Fromm got beat out by the fucking water boy. I mean, like, it's unbelievable. That I mean, is uh, – yeah, I don't think I ever really he, he won a national championship. I'm just fucking with I all respect to the starting quarterback at Georgia. He is a beast. <laughs> he's in the he's in the Heisman like conversations. I mean that shows you a little bit of what the Heisman conversation's at right now. I agree with you, he is, sure. but he's probably um, not I, I'm he's probably not gonna win. I hope I hope not. But at the same time, like I mean, they're it's him and Stroud. I mean, Stroud, the other Shitford University quarterback uh currently. Um <laughs> Is probably the front runner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just don't see how the the Bears scored more than fourteen points on the Patriots. I just don't see it. 
Like there's just like you said, Colter. There's no way Belichick lets Justin Fields run wild. There's just no way. I mean, I would fucking take an entire safety out of the box or out of the fucking secondary. I would would not have any fear to just be as super aggressive as to not let him run and do anything in your power to not let him beat you with his legs. You cannot. That's the only way that he even competes in these games is by fucking scrambling around like we saw on Thursday night. Uh, Okay. Mr. Model could not make it, but he gave us his picks. Uh, Let's see. His first pick was... The Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night taking Cliff at minus one and a half. I mean, the balls are Mr. Model. I'll I'll go ahead here. I'm going to crossfire this. And it's not because I like the Saints. They put up a battle against uh, Burrah in in the Louisiana there. But, I mean, this is another no-faith pick. I watched a decent amount of these Cardinal games because it seems like the NFL is begging us to watch those 425 games. There's three games on, and one of them is the Cardinals. Always. Don't you feel like if uh, if the NFL had known what the Cardinals were going to pay Kyler Murray, they, there's a world where the Cardinals could be the Broncos, and they could have been the team that was on yeah. TV all the, the, Broncos, the start of the season. I feel like if the Broncos weren't having the Broncos season, I feel like all of the, the Cardinals are yeah, would, yeah would be on the Cardinals. They can't score in the first half, and they barely can score in the second half. I mean, they're putting up ten fucking points a game. Kyler's doing nothing through the air. He's doing everything through the ground. Now they are getting DeAndre Hopkins back. So does that make things differently? Maybe they also lost Marquise Brown. I know the saints are all banged up, but I'm taking the fucking points here. My theory on these games, especially on Thursday night, when there's two shitty teams, I'm just taking the points. So I'm going to crossfire Mr. Model here. What do you think Hughes? Uh, I'm on the Cardinals. Um, I do think this is one of those, like your season's on the line. And if you lose there's a lot of people that could end up losing their jobs. Uh, and so I do think this is one of those games where because it's at home, I think they circle the wagons. I don't think New Orleans is very good. I know that they've played well at times. I, I know they're just they're that typical New Orleans like team without a good quarterback. Like I think they've got a decent defense. I think they've got some good skill position guys. But I'm just not sold on the Andy Dalton and – you know, Taysom Hill experience. I think that the Cardinals can scheme for that. And, and Hop's back this week, I believe. Yep. Yeah, he is. I think that's a big boost for them. Um, I don't think Kyler's uh, that great, but I also think we're seeing a living example of what happens when you have a coach who's good at doing one thing. They cannot and have shown they cannot mold this offense on a week-to-week basis around a guy who's literally the size of a fourth grade girl. Like he is the shortest, smallest quarterback that's ever walked the planet earth. And you need to get him out of the pocket because otherwise he can't fucking see down the field. So my theory is cliff needs to either a quit and go back to college or B roll him out of the pocket, get more plays outside and try and get the ball out of his hands quicker. I, I don't know like what he needs to do, but he just can't he can't operate in the pocket. And I think the air raid offense is looking for a big stoic cat. And I know that everybody thinks that the air raid wants some type of like zone read mobile quarterback. They don't hate it. 
but it's not ideal. They want a big dude who just stands in there and just peppers the ball around. And that is not Kyler Murray. And, you know, we've seen now that there's a couple of uh, Oklahoma quarterbacks out there kicking around. So anybody who's got a team that's at the front end of the draft that wants to draft the current quarterback at USC because he does wild, crazy, fun stuff, I don't know if that's the best answer. I hear what you're saying there, but is Jalen Hurts the exception or are we just kind of as a Bama Jalen Hurts was an Alabama quarterback. I just want to reiterate the fact that he had the tutelage and coaching of what will go down as the greatest college football coach to ever walk on the sideline. That being said, he transferred to Oklahoma because Tua Tungavailoa beat him out, and I will never take his success at Oklahoma, though he was successful because I do think that dude knows how to coach an offense in college. Like, he knows what he's doing. Like, you saw – I don't know if you watched yeah. – sorry yeah. to cut into college, but they're, they, I think they put up like 46 points and lost 48-46. That's a classic Lincoln-Riley game. Um, the quarterback does a lot of fun stuff, and he's really good. Um, but at the same time, like they just don't translate to the NFL for one reason or another. Um, but uh, we'll see. I'm just not a big Kyler fan. So I, I'm on the Cardinals though. I do okay. think they win this game. I don't know. I don't know how, but I think they find a way at home. I, I obviously am partial to that building, uh, worked there for a number of years. Um, so I, I'm, I'm on the cards. A little soft spot. All right, Colter, what do you think? Yeah, this is just a, I mean, in terms of actually putting money on the game, this is a PASS pass. Do not bet on this game. I've gone back and forth on it. Uh, make the argument that the Cardinals have, I think, the game's five best blue chip players um, because of the Saints' injuries. So I always tilt the scales towards the team that has the best players. There is a world where, um, as short as Kyler is, and goddamn, he is small, he uses right, that he is the best player on the field tomorrow night. Yep. Um, and I don't even don't think it's close. Uh, there is that version of this game where he is like by far the best player. With all that said, they are missing their left guard and their center. And uh, this is a good old fashioned Vegas is putting the manhood right to fucking Dennis Allen. It's basically a pick em and saying, Hey, are you better than Cliff Kingsbury motherfucker? <laughs> right. And so I am going to side with, Dennis Allen and his manhood being challenged with the bookmakers and take the Saints. I'm not going to crossfire Mr. Model, uh, but I don't love the Cliff and the missing offensive linemen. I don't like Midget Kyler. Um, and yeah, I'll just take, you know, Vegas is asking Dennis Allen to say, hey, can you beat Cliff on Thursday night? Let's see. I'll, I'll take the guy who's not Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's, I think it's up to two. Okay. I like I that. Well, From, I, and I don't know, maybe that's where it opened and our pool just has that one and a half because I know he shaved to the half. But, um, but yeah, it, is, it does look like it's currently two. Uh, the Saints did also, too, uh, not to actually do a handicap here, the Saints actually were leading the Bengals. Um, and there's yeah. something to a team that's actually grown up enough. <laughs> Arizona, now I'm just thinking of as like a middle school girl. Like he was like, they're just so immature. They can't even take a lead on a team. Like, think about that. And my yep. team sucks. I'm not trying to call out the Cardinals. The Broncos are terrible. But, God, I mean, this team can't even go out and lead a football game. That's how immature they are. Yes. It's heinous. All right, Hughes, let's get your key pick of the week. So, this is a classic trap queen, and I'm all for it. I can't understand how a team coming off playing probably the best team in the league and ultimately losing – so obviously having a little of that taste in their mouth, no one likes to lose two weeks in a row, especially if you're a pedigree team like the Chiefs. Going to a team that got 
pimp slapped by a shitbird Falcons team. And not I'm not talking about a game where like, oh shit, we lost by three. They gave up 28 points and only scored 14. They had a ton of guys that didn't play. I know the narrative is that they're so injured and all this shit. They lost to the Falcons 28 to 14. And let me remind you, they've also now lost to the Falcons. They've lost to the Broncos and they've lost to the Bears. They have shown an ability to bounce back. They are at home, but I am taking as my key pick of the week, the Kansas city chiefs minus two and a half under a field goal in San Francisco against what I think is a pretend San Francisco 49er as a contender type of team. I think they've played well at times. I think they've obviously, I think they beat a shipbird Rams team. Great. Congrats. They beat the Panthers. Oh, great. Let's throw a parade. Oh, they beat the Seahawks. Three, three mediocre to bad wins and three awful losses. I mean, given what we've talked about, so I'm all over the chiefs. I, I don't know how this game is at two and a half. I don't know if it's moved. Uh, I'll check right now, but I'm all over this game. And I, unless this is a Vegas special, unless this is like DraftKings boosting, uh, um, the, uh, the odds on something weird that we're going to find out about. I, I just don't see how this is too. I mean, it could be, a, it could be a Vegas special. I mean, it, I'll admit I'm also in the chiefs here. Um, but it does reek of a, a very suspicious line. So I'm glad that you flagged that it, it, to me. It, you have one of the best teams in the league versus a team that's clearly right in the middle, right. Uh, in terms of power rankings, you could say, even coming off the loss, the Chiefs at worst are the fourth best team in the league. I would say they're probably even higher. And the Niners are what? They've got to be 16 or worse yeah. after that loss. I mean, so to say that basically that they're even teams on a neutral with the spread, it doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a light line. Um, you would have to think that Mahomes, kind of like we were talking about with the uh, Patriots, is like if he just names a point at some point, like if they can get the 25, can the Niners even get the 25? I mean, I'm not saying the Chiefs defense is a bunch of world beaters, but I mean, I just don't see the Niners even getting at 25 points in this game. Yeah, it's it's a head-scratcher to me. I mean, they may get us, but I just don't understand how this game is at 2 and a half. I'm going to give my second pick. Um, Kaz is taking care of his uh, baby girl. My second key pick, we're going right back to the night game slate here. Dolphins minus six and a half. I don't love a lot of the favorites. I think I was texting you guys this um, earlier this week, but uh, I don't know. If you look at the numbers here, the stats tell that there are two different teams here. On the surface, you see a three and three Dolphins team and a two and four Steelers team, and you're wondering, how could the spread be this big? But the Dolphins are outgaining people, um, and they also have a really nice home field advantage that I think people are going to kind of ignore and not see here. Um, and I think similar to the, the P- Patriots handicap and not to do the thing we just did with the chiefs, but at some point does Miami just hit 17 points in this game and, and Pittsburgh just can't get there. Um, I know they just beat new, uh, Tampa Bay and they got the 20, but like, I just don't know if Pittsburgh is going to even get points on this Dolphins team. Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. It doesn't really matter. Their offensive coordinator, uh, Matt Canada, he seems like he's just outmatched. Um, and I just think that Tua is going to be there. There's a lot of pressure on him to perform. The franchise is begging him to succeed. Um, and I just think that this is one of those spots where Tua shines out. He's back. I could see Ty Hill having 150 yards and two TDs. Um, I don't know. I, I know it's a lot of points. Hughes, what do you think about this? Am I, am I too high on the Dolphins here? 
No, so I like this was a tough one for me because I I declared the Steelers dead, ran around town praising how I thought the Buccaneers were going to roll shop, and took the Bucks as my key pick last week, and then fast forward to the Bucks losing out right now. That may have been more about the Bucs than it was about the Steelers, but I do think that the Steelers, in a couple of key situations, certainly have the skill guys to make plays. Um, but I just don't see how the Dolphins don't bounce back here. Again, to your point, uh, two is back. Uh, they've got the weapons. They really struggled to get them the ball on offense uh, while he, while Tua was out. And so I'm not trying to give Tua all the credit in the world, but like, they need somebody that can spread the ball around to their playmakers. And if they have that, those guys are good enough, I think, to carry the day. I also do think that the Steelers are not good. Um, they're not good on defense. I don't think they're very good on offense. But I, they showed out a little bit against the Bucs, and, and they're, they're a well-coached team. And I think they have been for a long time. Tomlin's always been pretty good. Um, but I, I do think, think the, Steelers, that this was, the Steelers got extra motivation by hearing the Tom Brady stuff. I mean, is there anything more disrespectful than 48 hours before a game you're going to some guy's wedding? Like, I just, I feel like we've played football and I just, yeah. I mean, the Steelers had to have been like, F this guy on Sunday. I mean, I know every team is saying that on a Sunday morning, but I mean, they had to have been extra motivated hearing that coming into the locker room, I feel like. And I think, I think ironically too, it had to have a psychological impact on the Buccaneers. Um, and I think that's what oh, you I mean, come on, he wasn't even <laughs> he's departing at a wedding, like right. And you've got a little bit of the narrative of like, and then he has the audacity to yell at them on the sidelines. Um, but I do think like there are some things that are clearly wrong. And I mentioned the coaching earlier about the Bucks. Um, I do think that they, I'm not saying I would fire them. They're not going to fire. Them. That's not going to happen. But I do think they need to change a little bit of their identity. So I do think that Steelers win was a little fraudulent being at home, being a little bit of a must win for them. Uh, they needed to bounce back from getting absolutely destroyed by the bills the week before. So I no, I, I, I don't think the Steelers are good. I don't think they can cover this number. Um, I, I'm on the Dolphins, So I would be with you on this one. I also feel like Miami, uh, and I have to look into this more, but I feel like they've played at home more than any other team in the league. So I feel like they're benefiting from almost like a lack of travel. And again, I think their home field, as you know, as a Patriot fan, going down there can be a real uh, quagmire for yeah. the team. It, like the weather can eat you up down there if you're not prepared for it. And uh, I just don't love the situation where you don't even know who your quarterback is. It seems like Pickett's going to play. Um, but I mean, on the road in, a, in an environment like that, I don't necessarily love that situation. I think Miami's defense is a little bit better than probably most yeah. people are giving them credit for it. it it'd be a real fool me once uh, shame on you fool me twice shame on me situation. If Mitch, if they really think Mitch can do anything, I'm not saying he didn't show that he had a pulse last week, but like they need to figure out the picket thing in my opinion. So if he's healthy, he's got to play um, because if it's Mitch, I mean, I'd be even more all over this. He, there's no way that guy strings together to even meet, you know, moderately good performances. Um, and I, I think the dolphins have a good enough team. Uh, and they're also, I mean, they're coming off what three straight losses. If I'm yeah. looking at this right, they're, they've um, got to be just as motivated as any team in the league, right? Yeah, and and I think that they've shown. I think you know they've got a. I think the Patriots and Jets, the by the way, have ascended during that too. I mean, they've over right. that three week course, their team has completely tanked, and the teams that were behind them in the division have now completely risen above them. Yep. 
Yeah, no, it's going to be, and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a dogfight for who comes in second in that division. I think all three of those teams um, have similar kind of like trajectories in terms of, I think they've got like in different ways. I think they've got a lot of good things going on, but also they've just inherently got some, some lack of consistency probably at the quarterback position. So if any of those three teams can get right. Well, true. I mean, that, that is a wagon. That is, I mean, I just, that, Josh Allen is unbelievable. Um, again, to talk about authenticity. I know it's been a theme that we've hit on a lot tonight, but a guy who just looks like he's just a normal, like enjoyable, having fun playing football type of guy. Um, and he, he just, it, it, the guys want to play with him. You can tell he likes, he has fun. I mean, he hurdled that guy was insane. Um, and I, I just think this team's got a lot of, a lot of positive offense. The defense is suspect, though. So we'll see what if that it, primarily because of injuries and some other things. But we'll see if that keeps going. But definitely, the buy is at a perfect time for them. They need to get healthy on the defensive side of the ball. But Josh Allen's unbelievable. I think he's got to yeah, be the front runner for MVP, right? He's plus one thirty. I saw today, so he's pretty much running away with it. Yeah, I think so, the I mean, next I, best guy was Hurts, and I mean Hurts has had a great season, but you got to think that's more of a team. Yeah, he'd have to he'd have to break like a rushing touchdown record or something weird. I feel like they're to try and unless unless something happens, Allen. I was gonna say the um, other thing too is if they go right. like sixteen and one, <laughs> it would be hard to not get to play quarterback for the team. I like the Sirianni fire though. I I, I did that. We had, we didn't talk about that in terms of last week the the Eagles uh, Cowboys game, but um, I do think there's a little bit of rivalry back in some of these uh, some of these NFC East matchups now. Um, with the Eagles thinking that they're, uh, you know, King shit and Mara running around saying that uh, they're on to Jacksonville. So um, that's a great transition. Why don't we do one last game? I don't know if Kaz will get back or not, but I know that the Mr. Model is on the Jaguars minus two and a half. And I, we did a pre-podcast crossfire. So uh, I'm on the Giants. Hughes, I'd love to hear your take on this game. What do you think? Uh, are the Giants uh, getting disrespected by the bookmakers or is this Vegas telling us something here? Uh, so I think, I think this is a little too big for your britches type of line. I think this is, they know people are going to pound. I would assume the public's going to pound the giants. Um, everybody loves when the giants are back, you know, it's like kind of Texas football, college football being back. And like some of these other, uh, storied programs, um, it's always better when this team's good, uh, type shit. And so I think the giants are a little bit like that. You know, I think they've got a following obviously, um, they've got a, na- a good national brand. So I think everybody on the public side of this is going to be absolutely mangling the Giants. I think we've seen real inconsistencies from Jacksonville. But I think the fact that Jacksonville is still minus two and a half tells me that Vegas is this is a this is a coin toss type game. I think like to me, I'm probably gonna end up on the Giants. Um that's basically because of I think that there is a bit of a coaching mismatch here to some extent. Um our old friend Doug Peterson has done a really nice job, but this team makes bonehead fucking plays. And the quarterback has been better, but I don't think he's been exactly what the level of consistency that people want to see if he's really going to be a star quarterback. Now he's got a lot of time to go and it's what I mean, we're early in the season, but uh, I do think that this matchup shades a little bit towards the giants, uh, but they are really depleted on the injury side. So I, I think this is a classic pick game and I'm, I'm going to roll with the giants. Uh, so I'm going to crossfire this one too. Um, so I'll, I'll have to shoot Mr. Model a text and tell him I'm jumping on the bandwagon uh, to come after his wallet. But uh, but at the end of the day, 
both of these teams, I think, are kind of in a similar spot. Um, their records reflect vastly different. I think the Jacksonville defense is better, um, but I think it should be a good matchup. And, you know, it's kind of one of those weird, could get another weather thing down in Jacksonville. I don't know what, again, I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like, but um, but that's another kind of wild card for that situation. Um, I didn't think yeah, about I think we were, we were betting that game. Uh, I actually would love to see how Jones does in inclement weather because that could go, to go back to the fumble thing, maybe that would, snap him back to the player he was last year if it's raining. Well, he's rain. also got the hamstring issues all the time, too, which I know is, you know, like, his mobility is really the key. When he wasn't mobile, it was really not not the guy um, that I think can be a game changer. So, yeah, I think the weather could neutralize that as well. You know, get getting in some of those slippery type situations and all of a sudden maybe some of that uh, some of that fire is not coming out. Oh, look who's back while we're talking Dan Jones. What, did someone send out the fucking bat signal? <laughs> Hey, rookie show, you're on mute. Ron Dan Jones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're talking Giants and Jags. Okay, okay. Sorry, there, boys. Had a screaming baby, but yeah, put up the bat signal. I come back. Yeah. We were going uh, to do battles pick and the crossfire that we did pre podcast, Cass. I have I'm to. Dump, I have the crossfire, jump. too. I Explain yeah. to me triple. how the back to back triple crossfire. Explain to me how a two and four team is favored by two and a half against a five and one team. I know records aren't everything they're made out to be, but I've been riding the Jaguars for a while. Like I've been taking them as dogs. They're typically getting points. They're an average team. I just don't see what's happening here. I think the Giants defense has shut down more powerful offenses than the Jaguars. And I get the Jaguars defense is really fucking good, but like, what the shit? This is not right. I think it, I mean, I don't agree with it, but I mean, it has to reflect that the Jaguar season's online to some extent. Cause if they lose this game, they're headed back towards where they were um, prior to Doug P. And if they were to come and win this game, and I think if that's a significant, we're in a different direction. We've evolved as a team and as a franchise. We're not going to go to two and five and be a doormat team for the Titans and Colts. We're actually going to compete for this fucking division. I, but agree, I agree. I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I Looking at the roster breakdown, these are two basically even teams. You know? Yeah, I I get what you're saying, but did anyone really think the Jags were going to be competing this year? I mean, I think everyone thought they'd be better than what they were under Herb. I think it, like I think it's more like uh, they got a taste of it earlier this season, and so yeah. it's like they they almost got close to the sun, and yeah, maybe uh, they did, feel like they can get back to it, but I don't think they will. But I mean, did both of them has to feel like they won a couple games earlier? Uh, that's a fair point. Did both you gentlemen give your key picks already? We did. We did. All right. Uh, I am going with the Dallas Cowboys at home minus six and a half against the Detroit Lions. I think if Dak is back, that's a definite. If he's not back, this is maybe a little bit more risky in play. Uh, but I think the, the, the Cowboys defense is going to just work the Lions offense. And I know the Lions of offense have put up some points. They've got some electric players. I just don't see it against this defense. And I think the Cowboys found a little bit of a rhythm against the Eagles, even though they lost, they figured out that they need to fucking run the ball. They need to get Tony Pollard involved. Uh, but I actually think, you know, they hung with the Eagles and I thought that game had a chance to get away from them. So I'm taking them minus six and a half at home on a bounce back opportunity. What do you think about that one? Hughes? I like it. Uh, I'm also on Dallas. I, <laughs> 
I can't imagine what it's like to be in the Detroit locker room, uh, if, especially for any guy that has been there for any type of sustained period. Um, I don't think there's a lot of them because they've changed, turned over that roster pretty pretty thoroughly. Um, but it does seem like they're 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 the wor- one of the worst teams in the NFL, if not the worst team. Um, I don't know if that's talent wise, but I think you could say any team in the NFL is talented. They clearly are a coaching mismatch. I, I think the game being on the road is not ideal. The, the one thing got going for them is they've had two weeks to prepare, um, and so it's possible that they've cooked up something. Uh, and they've been they've played hard. I mean, I think that that's been one yeah. uh, kind of calling card of this coaching staff over the last couple of years. But when does that just wear out? And you're just like, shit, we're still the doormat, and everybody's making fun of us, and we got to make a change because like it's just not working. And I don't think they invested in the right quarterback, obviously, but I don't think they're overly invested. So I think part of the the math here is they could stink and they could get a top draft pick and i think that they could go and get a quarterback that can ultimately bring them some better opportunities than the guy who's currently there i fully agree colter what do you think on this pick i'm not going to crossfire it i am going to go with the lions here i don't you know i was going to jump in and say is this a a coaching mismatch or but i mean i do get it but kellen moore on the offensive side of the ball for uh, Dallas is a good offensive yeah, line. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, in, in terms of the head coaches, I think it's kind of neutral, but yep. uh, I, I do think this for the lions um, max motivated team coming off the bye week. I think that people are going to look at that, the game against new England and overreact that game was, as we went over earlier, Belichick versus Campbell. There was nothing that was going to happen other than a complete blowout. Um, I just, I don't think the Lions were as bad as that result was. And I don't think uh, people are also going to overinflate this Dak return thing. I mean, guys, we're football fans. Let's not have short memories here. What did Dak look like before that injury against the Bucks? That team sucked a lot. And uh, I know the, the Lions are not the Bucks. I get that. But six and a half is a lot of points for a quarterback. We don't know what his what he's going to look like. Uh, and when we did see him healthy, it wasn't good. Uh, and to the coaching thing, we don't know what the hell McCarthy's going to do. I don't really trust him as a big favorite. Um, and then lastly, uh, I, I, I know you guys are probably anti raw rod, Dan Campbell getting the team up for this, but this has to be his biggest game time prep speech of the entire year. Fuck Dallas, fuck America's team. Raw, 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 kill them. I hate Jerry Jones. Right. I mean, this is like a shoe in spot for Dan Campbell to give them like the let's go kill America's team speech before the game. Right. Yeah. But is it going to be enough? I mean, he's the guy who's talking about, you know, one asshole or two assholes and three toes in his fucking. <laughs> speech. Listen, I, I'm not saying that any of this stuff that he does works, but I'm, I, I just think like it's a good spot off the bye week. Uh, don't know what Dak's going to look like. I'm gonna, just going to take the points as like a you know, almost like a routine thing. Again, I'm not Fair. cross-firing it. I don't love the Lions. I don't love Dan Campbell. I just I like the, the I need to uh, I need to go back and do a little more research on this, but I'm pretty sure I've won uh, only one of my key picks in our pool over the first six Ooh. weeks. So that should tell you something there, Colt. I think you might be honest. Yeah, I was going to say that's not where you want to be. I was like that last year and it did me and I feel like I, I was like six or seven. Yeah, so I'm still, uh, you know, I'm I'm chipping away at your guys' lead. Coulter, you extended on me, but uh, I had a strong week. Rusty, my dad, won the week, so good for I Russ. I saw that, yeah. 
he went from having a historically bad week, I think two or three weeks ago, where he had like three corrects to now winning the week. So good for him. Short memory, man. You Short memory. Uh, just to recap where we stand overall in the pool, Mr. Model is uh, tied for fourth with 55, as well as Coulter with 55, tied for fourth, so looking good. Hughes, not far off. You got 52. You're in 10th, I think. Yep, 10th. Yep. Uh, and I'm not too far back. I'm sitting there at 48. And again, everybody knows I break late, so I'm right where I want to be at this kind of you know turning point of the season. So couple more you guys good. Weeks. If you're at 48 without the key picks, uh, yeah. not to sound like obvious, but they are such a killer, man. I think I finished 10th last year. And I swear if I had just gotten like five more key picks, I would have been in the top five. Yeah. Like it really is. The difference I'm having the solid weeks, but I'm missing this key pick and that's fucking yeah. me big time. I mean, I could probably be right near Hughes at 52 if I get a couple of these, right. But who knows? If you're so, one in one in five on those, that's, that's, yeah, that's harsh, harsh. All right, gentlemen, that is another episode in the books. We'll see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's oh. who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.